Welcome to Marvelous Disney with Aaron Adams, the podcast that discusses the most recent doings at one of the more dynamic divisions of the Walt Disney Company, which is, of course, Marvel Entertainment. This is entertainer writer Jim Hill, and my co-host, the amazing Aaron Adams, and I are recording this week's episode on Wednesday, August 30th, 2023. Now, the show will actually drop on Friday, September 1st, which is just three days out from Labor Day 2023 officially held Monday, September 4th. So are you and Sabrina, do you have any plans for the long weekend? Or Yes, we both work on holidays because that's the best time to get stuff done when you're not actually bothered by uh, co-workers and, and bosses and such. You actually, It's the most productive days of the year, the holidays. This is true. I'm burying the needle in the other direction. Uh, let's see, on Saturday, I'm taking my niece to King Richard's Fair, which is uh, both New England's largest Renaissance fair, as well as its longest running. And then on Sunday, I'm taking Nancy Downer to Boston to see one of her favorite soap stars, Maurice Bernard, who plays Sonny Corinthos on General Hospital. But on Monday, I, I honestly don't know what to do with my labor days anymore, ever since the muscular dystrophy telethon stopped being a thing back in 2011. Wow, that's that's been a minute, hasn't it? It has, it has. I'm, it used to be a tradition of you, I mean, I, it just seemed like your calendar was built around that because that meant school was getting back in session. and There we go. I mean, it, it really was a, a benchmark of the calendar for many, many decades. Don't get me wrong. You know, the, Half of the fun of the muscular dystrophy telethon, especially during the years when it was coming out of Vegas, was you got to see some really cheesy Vegas acts. And, but Lewis... He was the MC of that thing for 46 years, from 1966 all the way through to 2011. And then MDA decided that they wanted to go a different way. They reinvented themselves as kind of a social media thing back in 2020. Uh, they launched the MDA Kevin Hart Kids Telethon, but that was in... October of that year. Do you remember seeing that at all or hearing anything about that? Or No, no. And it's mm, I, I think that's kind of one of those things where they recognize a void and they try and fill a void and nobody's mm -hmm. interested because it's not the thing that we associate with. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I think you're right about the, you know, I mean, for so many of us, it was something on the calendar and it, you know, it, it was a transition point from summer to fall and, Everything that that came, but all right. Anyway, folks, we're not here to talk about MDA, but we're, we're here to talk about the MCU, and we have news. But uh, but before we get to the news, I want to remind you, the news portion of Marvelous Disney is brought to you by Touring Plan's own travel agency. If you're heading down to Walt Disney World in the not so distant future, and these very knowledgeable folks can help you book a vacation package to that resort. And, and if you're nice, they, they may even toss in a subscription to Touring Plans for free. Seriously, though, if you're planning on visiting Central Florida anytime soon, Touring Plans' own travel agency is the smartest way to go. Please check them out at touringplans.com backslash travel. Now, someone who's obviously laboring this Labor Day is Jeremy Renner and... Just last month, uh, Renner was seen walking into Kate Beckinslow's uh, 50th birthday party without use of a cane. So that seemed to be a good bit of news. But just this week, he uh, Jeremy's back on Twitter and he's back in the hospital and was talking about how 
They are now calibrating new knees and ankles for him. Not to mention strengthening muscle and tendons around titanium. Uh-huh. I see the $6 million man coming together bit by bit. I know what he's doing. Yeah. I know the game. Hey, Doc, uh, you know I always had this little problem with my, my lower back. Can we get some titanium in there and make it super? <laughs> I mean, I am Hawkeye after all. I am kind of a superhero. Let's, uh, let's go the Wolverine treatment. Get some adamantium in my bones. <laughs> uh, well, but the the what's fascinating is he also tweeted out it, it's this picture of him in deep purple light with a, a tube going into his nose, and he says part of the healing process this time around involves a hyperbaric chamber as well as light therapy. Yeah, got to get your vitamin C or is it vitamin D? Vitamin D from the from the sunshine, right? Not entirely sure. I mean, you know, I, I'm sorry. All I think of when I hear a hyperbaric chamber is, is Michael Jackson. I mean, you know, if you just want to be left alone, you're like, Doc, I'm tired of the chaos, the kids, the wife. I just need 15 freaking minutes. And they're like, aha, hyperbaric chamber. I can write a prescription. Here you go. Wow. Just sit there and float, man. Just float. <laughs> Well, anyway, Aaron and I wish Mr. Renner the best possible outcome following this latest round of surgery. Uh, also, following up on another earlier story, Aaron, you and I recently talked about how back in October of 2017, McDonald's brought back that hugely popular Chezwan dipping sauce. This was the stuff mm -hmm. that originally debuted at that, that fast food chain back in the summer of 1998 as part of a promotion that McDonald's did for Disney's original hand-drawn version of Mulan. As the story goes, supposedly the lines got so long and the crowds got so big at these restaurants that uh, that were handing out this Szechuan sauce that fights broke out and then reportedly someone got stabbed and, and you putting on your 32nd Street uh, hat. Oh, yeah. Great for advertising. Well, no, no, that's it exactly. Now, the interesting thing is we had a couple of listeners reach out and say, hey, I've heard that that didn't really happen. The stabbing was just a rumor. And so what's interesting is I actually went over to Snopes, the fact-checking site early, to see if they had anything on file about whether or not this incident, which, again, would have happened back in October of 2017, didn't have anything on file. But rumor or not, I'm bringing up this story again tonight because this past weekend, a fight did in fact break out at a McDonald's in the District of Columbia, and two teenagers were squabbling over that sweet and sour sauce that this fast food restaurant is is now making available as part of their as featured in meal, which this uh, is being done to promote season two of Loki, and as a direct result of the squabbling a 16-year-old girl got stabbed. This incident resulted in the sort of publicity that no one at Disney or Marvel or McDonald's wanted because Neyma Legon died from her wounds. Not only that, but her friend wound up being charged with second-degree murder, not to mention assault with intent to kill. Now, her friend? It wasn't even like a stranger? No, they just, again, because... The young lady who actually stabbed Nama, and by the way, Aaron and I send along our, our heartfelt condolences to Nama's family and, and, and friends, mm -hmm. but because she's 16 years old, I mean, it's, it's a juvenile court issue, and you know her name is being kept out of the paper, but remember how we were talking also 
about how McDonald's to help promote season two of Loki was going to change one of its fast food restaurants. So it looked exactly like a McDonald's back in 1982. Yeah. Tell, tell us about how's that going along? Well, that promotion started today. Wait a minute. You haven't been able to drive down there real quick and check it out for yourself before record time? <laughs> no, I, I have not. And, and more to the point that it's one of these things you got to feel for the team that labored to turn this rest, restaurant in Brooklyn to create this elaborate promotional venue uh, for season two of Loki. I mean, they did all this work and Think about it. If you're down there covering this story, you have to talk about the stabbing at some point because the sweet and sour sauce that they're pushing as part of this is what supposedly caused this terrible tragedy. And but but at the same time, people who have been there today are talking about how you actually enter this fast food restaurant through a TVA time door. So it starts off with this great effect, and then you find yourself inside of a McDonald's from the early 1980s that, that features period-correct details. Like, for example, remember those, those McDonaldland character murals where you'd see, like, the Hamburglar next to Grimace next to—I forget who would, the character was who was pushing the filet of fish right? Mm. It wasn't Mayor McShay's. But anyway, dining areas outfitted with those bright yellow cushiony booths that— all McDonald's used to have back in this era, and the people behind the counter are all wearing red striped uniforms of the, the type that McDonald's employees wore back in 82. And, and they've even went and found the old clunky cash registers. Oh, I'm sure the, the employees loved having to deal with that. Uh, like It would be uh, like giving a teenager a Walkman. And a, and a cassette going, figure out how to play music, kiddo, and then chuckling and walking away. And be like, what the hell is this magic device? And then no video menu boards behind you. It's the little hard plastic things that list all of the prices and, and the products, but no pictures of the products. Right. So right off the bat, again, you just, just got to say, whatever employees are working at this restaurant, which, by the way, is only running for three days. It, it shuts down on Friday night. September 1st. So if you want to have your time variance agency experience and go through that time door, you, you need to hustle on down to Brooklyn. The timing of it, though, still makes no sense of why these three days. What's the significance of right now? Loki's not out yet. Why not get it closer to the release date? It just seems so far apart that it, it's not going to connect, promotionally speaking. Right. The, mm -hmm. the buzz should be directly before the thing happens, not months before. I totally get what you're saying. But I think, remember, we are dealing with both the writer's strike and the act, but importantly, the actor's strike. And I, I have the uneasy feeling that if we factor in needing to do international promotion for this Disney Plus thing, that maybe that was the thinking that... There was supposed to be this restaurant that entertainment writers and folks who cover television, that sort of thing, could visit in addition to, say, an opportunity to sit down with the filmmakers and the cast to make up for the fact that, you know, uh, no actors, you know, nobody from the actual production can be there. Uh, there are displays on site of, of props from both Loki season one and 
uh, season two. But again, reminder, folks, only three days, only at this 6620 Bay Parkway in Brooklyn. Uh, and if any of our listeners happen to get there and want to talk about it, boy, we, we, you know, we'd love to have those stories. Beyond that, you wanted to talk about something else that's short, and that's the runtime of the Marvels, right? Yeah, apparently it's going to be our, our shortest MCU film thus far, which uh, I just thought was kind of amazing because it seems like a lot of our... MCU films have been overly long sometimes. Oh no, no, you're not you're not wrong. Well, they're always trying to tie into other things and and you know, tell the larger epic story at hand and apparently what was this only 93 minutes? Yeah, and what's what's interesting is the shortest Marvel movie prior to this was The Incredible Hulk back in 2008. That was only a 1 hour and 52 minutes long where as you mentioned the Marvels is one hour and 38 minutes long. But what's interesting is that that includes five minutes of credit. So this is actually, I, I think, as you mentioned. Uh, 93 of uh, film. It, 90? Yeah. And that's tight. That's that's incredibly easy, breezy cover girl in and out. Uh, you know, you get high rotation at the theater, like we always mentioned, because it's there we go. not overly long. Uh, you get, I hope... I, I hope it's one of the most entertaining movies because you shouldn't have any dead spots at 93 minutes, right? There should be no drag. It should move briskly. Talking with somebody at Disney to get this confirmed, they actually use the phrase, all killer, no filler. Yeah, exactly. Either it, it serves the story or it goes. And yeah, that's great. That, I mean, that's what I think what I'm looking forward to when I, when I read that short runtime was not like, Oh, a disappointment I'm getting screwed out of a few minutes of, of action or whatever. It was like, oh, they're not going to waste mm -hmm. my time with filler mm -hmm. and extra stuff that we don't need to tell the story. Uh, yeah, I know Kang Dynasty's coming. Yeah, I know Secret Wars is coming. Just tell me a good mm -hmm. Captain Marvel story or, or, you know, story of the Marvels and just let it be that, please. And it seems that's what the needle is pointing to right now. Well, the other thing that my friend at Disney wanted to point out is that one of the reasons this has as short a running time as it does is that Nia DaCosta, the, the woman who's directing this film, really leaned into the comic of comic book movie. That mm -hmm. Nia supposedly likened the relationship that Captain Marvel, Ms. Marvel, and Photon have in this film as a dysfunctional family. And so a lot of character-based humor, and that's the thing, a good comedy uh, usually has a tight running time. So mm. uh, 93 minutes is, is right, right in that window. But again, that arrives in theaters on November 10th, and just 18 days after that, an actual Blu-ray uh, 4K HD full season set. For WandaVision. That drops on the 28th. And next month, on September 26th, some 10 days prior to season two of Loki dropping, we get uh, the opportunity to buy season one of, of Loki. And and remember the whole Guillermo de Toro, the thing, the effect of its physical media. That we have a moral imperative now to buy this physical media. But in this same window of time, we're getting 
the first two seasons of The Mandalorian. So this is Disney taking limited series for uh, Disney Plus and making them available as physical medium. I mean, I think it's long overdue, Jim, that The Mandalorian was popular from the jump, right? Season one, Mm -hmm. people were like, holy cow, this is great. And Mm -hmm. if Disney Plus is losing money, you know, I can -hmm. can almost see whomever was in charge at that very instant going, no, we're not going to make Blu-rays in 4K. Uh, You know, we're not making our money back on Disney Plus. You want me to go manufacture physical copies of it at a cost? And then hope that it sells? That's crazy. But they've been kind of starving their their fans. I mean, you know, Star Wars fans are collective types. You know, all the toys that we had that we're now retiring off oh, yeah. of selling now? It is in, in our DNA to collect Star Wars. And so, by goodness gracious, if it's going to be up on a screen, big or small, you got to have, like, a, a thing that I can go buy and own and put on the shelf next to my Boba Fett action figure and and all that stuff right so i mean and and the thing is like we've talked about this in the past i I haven't made a physical media purchase since i've had disney plus because the library is just there for me but there Mm -hmm. are other people out there who may not need the entire smorgasbord who have been waiting specifically to jump on the bandwagon go i would like to watch that myself but i'm not going to subscribe to disney plus oh but i will buy Mm -hmm. a single season on blu-ray and uh, and yeah, and plus your collectors and stuff like that, you do have a market for that. And uh, I just Absolutely. think that they they should have been on this bandwagon a long time ago. I mean, they've always been in the the home video market for as long as it's invented. You know, I mean, they've always been there. I don't understand why they yep. decided to suddenly stop because I know they wanted to get Disney Plus subscribers. And there's this fear: well, if we sold it on Blu-ray, then they don't have a reason to subscribe. And it's like, yeah, that's mm. not it. That's that's not the whole th- equation. So, yeah, I think it's long overdue. About time they got got on it. Go buy your physical media because uh, we need to vote with our dollar as well to say we like this and we want more of it, right? This is true. This is true. Anyway, uh, second ago we were talking about season two of Loki, uh, debuting on October 6th. But we, we also talked about, given what Tatiana Maslany well, given what she, she said about Bob Iger and uh, in regard to the strike, and here's the full quote, folks, because I want you to, to understand that she said this out loud about the guy who signs her checks. I think he's completely out of touch. I mean, he, he's completely out of touch with the workers who make his shows happen, who make people watch these shows, who bring viewers to him and his money. Uh, having worked on a Disney show, I know where people fall through the cracks and where people are taken advantage of. And it's outrageous, the amount of wealth that is not shared with the people who actually make the show. That's crew, cast, writers. So when you hear that, Aaron, how likely do you think it is that we're we're going to get a season two of She-Hulk Attorney at Law. Even though he's head of the company, do you really think it's his decision? Like, he's going to go all David Zaslav and just cut uh, a thing because he doesn't like what the kids said. If the character's popular and the numbers show it, he's going to have mm-hmm. to be bigger than his ego and and uh, go, okay, well, then Greenlight season two because it's popular. People like it. If the numbers are not there, then he's going to point at the numbers and say, well, you're not getting your second season. It has absolutely nothing to do with your big mouth. And so we'll never really 
know what, what the real case is. But I mean, the guy's in a business to try and save the Walt Disney Company right now. He got called out of freaking retirement. This isn't the time to yeah. get all bad attitude with people uh, over personal mm-hmm. grudges. You got to do what makes the most business sense. And uh, whatever that may be is, is the way that that sale is going to blow. Okay. Well, again, intriguing week because Disney stock price is at a nine-month low this week. But in the same window of time, word came out of Atlanta that season two of She-Hulk Attorney of Law is a thing. You know, I mean, mind you, it's a thing that has to wait till after the strike is over and the writers can come back. Wait a minute. Was I vindicated in under three minutes? That's amazing. That's you a were. personal record. You were. I'm going to do a little Damn. victory lap round. Yay! Yay! Okay. All right. Thank you. All right. Yeah. Settle down. Settle down. All right. Back All right. to your seats, everybody. Okay. All right. Uh, speaking of which, though, when we get back from our show break here, uh, we're going to talk about an actor who, to be honest, is getting increasingly concerned about what the strike are doing to his work schedule for the coming year. Sixteen months from now, Thunderbolts is supposed to open in theaters. Uh, it's got a locked-in release date of December twentieth, two thousand twenty-four. Now, mind you, it was supposed to start shooting back in June, and of course, between the writer strike. And the actors' strike, uh, that didn't happen. And this was supposed to be the film that would bring David Harbour, who played the role of uh, the Red Guardian in Black Widow back in 2020. He was supposed to come back as the Red Guardian in this movie. But David Harbour is also a big, big part of Stranger Things, which was supposed to sh- shoot its epic season five which would close out the series and this netflix project was supposed to be a year long shoot and in order to make sure that thunderbolts made it into theaters december 2024 and that stranger things season five would be out in time for next summer david harper was going to spend a lot of the next six to eight months on planes that he would be shooting the Thunderbolts and then hop on a planet gun, then do some stuff on, on Stranger Things. And neither Netflix nor Disney Marvel is blinking at this point. And so here's poor David Harbour. And he was uh, just recently did an, an interview where he was talking about, he's look, I'm, I'm blessed to work with the Duffers who write some of the greatest scripts on television. And then these Marvel writers who write incredible epic stories. And and in, in Thunderbolts, they're letting the Red Guardian do things he's never done before. I mean, there's this relationship with Yelena. And, and we get into that more, and it's funny, and it's satisfying in an emotional way. And I'm really blessed to be part of these two amazing projects that aren't shooting. Didn't he have, like, uh, as a Red Guardian, he was heavier set. And I think when he was last seen on Stranger Things, he was like in a, a Russian prison and he was like very, very not. He was uh, gone. Yes. Yeah. No, no, no. So no like, you, what the hell is he going to be that? eating pies on the plane one way to fatten up and then purging <sighs> on the plane back to the other one to get all skinny? I mean, how are they going to pull that off? They got to spread it out so he can gorge and get plump for a few months and then go work out with Hugh Jackman, I, whose body does not go on break. <laughs> yeah, I, I do not know what to tell you. More to the point, how they're going to pull this off 
a schedule point of view. And obviously, we've seen a number of projects shift release dates. I mean, for example, you know, Dune 2, very famously, uh, you know, after the trailer and after oh, yeah, that's know, a the, the poster came out. It is. It is. But it's studios not only, you know, looking at things and saying, I, I don't know if we can get that done in time or looking at exhibitors and saying, look, we're going to move stuff around because you're going to need movies to put out. And if everything comes out in December and there's nothing to show in March, that's going to be a problem. The other thing I think we need to talk about is on the other side of this, are movies still going to be made the same way? Now, on last week's show, we were talking about the 50 members of Marvel's visual effects house who signed a contract to the effect of they want to form a union. Mm -hmm. Just in the past week, Disney's own in-house effects team raised their hand and said, yeah, we want to do what Marvel is trying to do. We want to unionize. Mm -hmm. They've handed out ballots. They're due back on September 11th, and they'll be counting the votes toward the middle of next month. Now, you've got folks like Mark Patch. Uh, he's worked in the visual effects industry forever, but he was a coordinator on WandaVision. And he has been openly talking about the brutal work conditions on that project, where they would work 18-hour days. Here's the quote about why he honestly believes that it's time for you know visual effects folks to unionize. It's like, when you're turning a 90-minute-long movie into a 10-hour-long feature, basically, you know, with a limited series, you're doing 10 times the amount of work within the same and sometimes even a shorter period of time. Particularly with Marvel, we have seen since COVID and streaming that the amount of demands that is made in our time, our mental health and physical health, just explode. And they actually provided kind of a breakdown on this, that phase four of the MCU will have, or, or had a, a, a total runtime of 60 hours. If you take the first three phases of the MCU and put them together, that's actually more than the runtimes of all those films combined. And Gabriel Levesque, who's worked at Marvel both on the back in the, the days when they only did theatrical releases and now, you know, when they're doing all this stuff for Disney Plus, this is what he had to say. What you're expected to do each day and, and how these shows are run, it definitely feels more like a conveyor belt nowadays. And uh, than necessarily uh, each project being given its own thought and time. And opposed to now uh, where it's like, it's, it's like, well, this is coming up and now we have to do this and this is coming up and we now have to do that. It really has become the McDonald's of content. But at the same time, I mean, it, it's, it's hard not to acknowledge that times are changing at Marvel Studios. I mean, for example... Season two of Groot, uh, I Am Groot, that, that series of shorts. We, we talked last week about how this is debuting uh, early next week, Wednesday, September 6th, five brand new shorts. But somebody who got to preview these reached out and said, hey, first time ever, it's a, a Guardians of the Galaxy project and no James Gunn name on it. And it's like, oh, you know, kind of the, the end of an era. And... Speaking of end of an era, and again, another kind of sad note here, folks, the trades mentioned that Jamie Christopher, the first assistant director 
on the Guardians of the Galaxy films, and also all eight of the Harry Potter movies, died of heart complications in Los Angeles, uh, just 52. Came from a filmmaking family. Uh, his dad was the production manager on Stanley Kubrick's Barry Lyndon, and his mom was a production coordinator. And James Gunn, who, who, who just loved working with Jamie, managed to post on social media uh, just a few minutes ago to the effect of, Jamie was one of the best in the film business, period, much less in his field. When I first met him, I didn't know they made ADs like him, and he changed my view of them entirely. I, I loved him as a friend and as a collaborator, and I'll miss his laugh. I'm heartbroken to have lost him. So another tough situation here. Mm -hmm. Anyway, uh, we were talking about uh, I Am Groot, which of course is, is animated and showing up on Disney+, Plus, and Given that a number of high-profile projects at Disney+, Plus, that some of which were actually completed, like the Spiderwork uh, Chronicles, or for that matter, the 20,000 Leagues prequel, The Nautilus, that Disney suddenly seems to have lost confidence in it and announced, well, that's not showing up on Disney+, Plus, and we're going to shop it around to somebody else to see if they want it. And it's gotten some Marvel fans nervous about Spider-Man Freshman Year, the animated series. And Jeff Trammell, who serves as the head writer and executive producer in this animated series, just kind of reached out and, you know, like, okay, guys, calm down. And there's nothing I can share yet. Just that I'm eager for everyone to see the show. Our crew worked and is still working hard to make freshman year seem special, fun, and unique. And I'm excited for the world to see it. So that still seems to be making its way through the pipeline. But is it going to show up at, you know, potentially another streaming service? Toward that end, Aaron, you, you were mentioning you were kind of surprised at what it will be showing up on Max beginning Friday this week, right? Yeah, they've got the Blade trilogy, the, the version with Wesley Snipes from the 90s will be mm -hmm. showing up on Max. And I don't think they're going to be mm -hmm. there all that terribly long, but uh, I was going to ask if, if anybody out there knows uh, the deal better than I do. So that was originally a New Line Cinemas movie. And then Warner mm -hmm. Brothers purchased New Line years and years ago. So as Warner Brothers owns the the rights to that, so they can put it on Max, is that the deal? Does Marvel, will, uh, will Disney Plus ever be able to get Blade on the, their own service? Or do they have to go buy Warner Brothers now for $82 billion? <laughs> <laughs> I do not know what to tell you. I mean, it just, it seems to be so odd about, you know, when it comes to which titles show up where. I mean, for example, we have, uh, we talked earlier in the show about The Incredible Hulk, technically the second MCU film and came mm -hmm. out, what, a couple of weeks after uh, the original Iron Man. Yep. But again, made by Universal. So you would figure if there's ever a place on the planet that this is going to show up, it's got to be the Universal-owned streaming service, Peacock. But right. no, last year, where does this end up being available for viewing but over on, well, what was then known as HBO Max? In 2022, it, it showed up there briefly, and then now, supposedly, it's a Disney Plus exclusive. So I don't know what to tell you, Aaron. One thing I, I do want to tell folks to do is you need to head over to YouTube 
and chase down the trailer for the MCU timeline book. Kind of an unusual way to promote a book, which, by the way, it doesn't come out till October 24th of this year, but Marvel is very excited about this book. As Brad Winderbaum put it, this is the first time we're officially laying out the timeline, and it's incredible once it's all laid out and you see how interconnected and how seamless it actually is. But it takes everything from the birth of the Celestials and then takes us all the way through to the latest events from Phase 4 to Phase 5. But that said, folks, i got to warn you, fall 2023 is going to be a very expensive time if you're somebody like myself who collects Marvel books. Because just next week, for example, on September 5th, the art of Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness goes on sale. And then one week after that, we get the art of Thor Love and Thunder, and then we get a touch of a break, uh, you know, out till October 24th, which again is when the uh, Marvel Studios, the Marvel Cinematic Universe and official timeline goes on sale. But on that very same day, that's the day that the, the Marvel Studios Art of Werewolf by Night goes on sale. And, 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 you know, of all the books, that I would have to say is the one I'm really anxious to get my hands on. I just love the look of that one. I, I still think it should be all, all the pictures should be in black and white, except for the color red from the jewel. <laughs> I mean, stick well, to the I gag, mean, to man. Honest, stick to the gag. I know. Right? I mean, that, that, that's actually what. That's one of the reasons I, I'm eager to get my hands on this one. I want to see if they actually they deliver on what you're looking for, Aaron. Yeah. So, um, well, and speaking of delivering, uh, folks. If you're not paying attention to 32nd Street, Aaron's wonderful Patreon project about Madison Avenue, I mean, you want to talk about delivering. You guys have, have delivered so many consistently good, tight shows with great insights about the world of advertising. And well, that just proves you're not listening. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to me. What What's coming up on 32nd Street? Ron and I just recorded a show where we go to extremes and we talk about the big screen advertising uh, before the movie, the trailers before the movie, and then uh, product placement within the movie itself. And then on the mm -hmm. second half of the show, we go to extremes to the small screen, your, your cell phone, and how you get ads uh, on, on someone's phone as they're walking by your burger stand and you want them to buy a burger. You got to send them a push notification. Hey, there's a burger over here. So, uh, yeah, big, from the big screen to the small screen. It's so funny you say that because, again, when I was talking with my friend at Disney about the runtime for the Marvels, and I, mm -hmm. wow, you know, 93 minutes, you'll be able to get a, uh, you know, a screening in every two hours. And, it, it, and he laughs and said, no. No, you still got the half <laughs> hour trailer. No, that's it exactly. Oh, yeah. a, at best, they can turn the theater every uh, two hours and 15 minutes. But it's just sort of like that is so locked into the movie going experience mm -hmm. that yeah. the exhibitors have no choice. I mean, it literally is part and parcel of their deal with the studios these days. You will run Nuvie or, or whatever they, the, the, and that's the show before the trailers. 
Right. Well, I mean, they've got commercials now where it's like Brie Larson driving a vehicle, you know, selling you like a Cadillac oh, or whatever. Yeah. And before you get to mm-hmm. see the Marvels, right, they'll they'll pair the star yep. of the commercial with the content you're about to see. <laughs> but then it's like, obviously, you've got to have a Coke commercial so you can go, oh, I haven't got a beverage. I'm th- kind of thirsty. Go run to the concession stand real quick. Uh, you got those regular commercials. Then you got your trailers. But then before the movie starts, you've got Nicole Kidman, damn it, who's has to tell you that. <sighs> You have to go to an AMC theater because it's so magical in this place. And it's like, look, I'm already in the theater. You don't have to convince me to go to the theater. I'm already here. I'm waiting for the movie. I understand the magic, woman. Just get off the screen. <laughs> but what, what, what is the line? Even heartbreak feels better here. I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I, yeah. I, 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 I get what you're saying. Right. But, all right. Anyway, in addition to 32nd Street, uh, your, your Patreon project, mm-hmm. um, I also enjoy you know following you on social media. Can can you tell the nice folks where they can find you uh, these days? Yep. Still go to X and look up at Azaprod, A-Z-A-P-R-O-D. I, I have scheduled my first tweet. I, I have never oh. scheduled. I've always been impromptu and spontaneous. Mm-hmm. But, yep. uh, yeah, I, I realized that uh, something is coming up and I need to schedule a tweet. And so I scheduled it and, and you'll find out October 1st what my scheduled tweet might be. Want to take any guesses? I... Yeah, I'll give you a hint. It's Disney Unpacked related. Now we can talk about Disney Unpacked. Jim, tell me about Disney Unpacked. What's fun about this project is, is first ever video series. We're partnered with Jim Shul, who spent 30 plus years at Walt Disney Imagineering. Worked in some of your favorite attractions like Rock and Roller Coaster, Mater's Junker, Jamboree, and we have all these amazing behind-the-scenes stories. Plus, Jim has a hundred over a hundred thousand images from his time at, at Disney, uh, some never before seen. So, great, great fun. Be sure and check it out. In fact, head on over to YouTube and check out the the preview videos. Got there, and you might want to consider subscribing. Also, while we're talking, uh, plugging relentlessly here, I want to remind you we have some other podcasts here at Jim Hill Media you might want to check out. Oh, of course, I have Disney Dish that I do with Mr. Testa. Uh, we have Fine Tuning that I do with, do with Drew Taylor, who, by the way, has his own uh, outside project, Light the Fuse, the official Mission Impossible podcast, which he does with Charles Hood. Uh, we just did a brand new episode of Looking at Lucasfilm with Brian Gaughan and really enjoyed chatting up uh, about uh, Star Wars Ahsoka. If you could do Aaron and I a favor, if you get out an Apple podcast and rate and recommend, well, not just the show you're listening to right now, Marvelous Disney, but also 32nd Street, that would be very helpful. Anyway, folks, uh, that's going to do it for this week. So on behalf of Mr. Adams... Want to thank you for listening, and we'll be back with a brand new show next week.